0: we do not look constantly and continually at the things which are seen or the temporal rather we look at every moment continually fixed on the things that are eternal it's no wonder why we feel the great crushing of affliction in our lives because we are constantly fixed on and taking aim at this present life which is decaying day by day look to god as the eternal one and say god This affliction, this crushing, this anxiety, this fear, this this anguish that we're experiencing on this earth is nothing, is weightless, is empty compared to the glory that is to come. How do we have hope in this burning and decaying world? Second Corinthians chapter four verse sixteen through eighteen. Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outward person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. Verse seventeen. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so Paul says here, do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. He begins 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 with the word, therefore. Therefore, we do not lose heart. What is the potential cause of Paul losing heart? Look above at what he says in verses 8 through 11. He says, "'We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, "'perplexed, but not despairing, "'persecuted, but not forsaken, "'struck down, but not destroyed, "'always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, "'so that the life of Jesus "'also may be manifested in our body. "'For we who live are constantly being delivered "'over to death for Jesus' sake.'" So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And so Paul says, do not lose heart, even though we're being crushed, even though we're being afflicted, even though we're despairing, even though we're struck down, we do not lose heart. The word lose heart, by the way, is a simple word that means to lose courage in the face of trials. It's a powerful word that means abandoning oneself to cowardly surrender or shrinking back in the face of adversity. Paul, later on in the book of 2 Corinthians, describes in great detail the suffering that he's been dealing with. The suffering that he speaks to when he says, we do not lose heart. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 through 28, five times I received from Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship, though through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure." Apart from such external things, there is daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. My point in sharing that is not to draw a comparison between your suffering and Paul's, although that is something to note. Rather, my point is to examine how in the world a believer, even in the worst circumstances, could say, do not lose heart. What is the source of this strength? Those of you who have been believers for years have heard these words uttered constantly, do not lose heart, or do not grow weary while doing good, or fear not. Yet in my personal experience with myself and other fellow believers, I sadly find the very opposite to be closer to the truth. I find a people that have lost heart. I find a people that are broken. I find a people that are living in fear. Our stomachs are sickened by the sound of an email coming in. We are all just one ding or one ringtone jingle away from our lives being turned upside down. We check our mailboxes with trembling hands for fear of the snakes hidden in the stack of envelopes we get. We let unknown callers go to voicemail, hoping it's just spam and not some impending doom. We bite our fingernails, clench our jaws, pace in furious fashion, at least I'm speaking of myself. As we fan the flame of our anxieties, burning away our courage. While we aren't facing nearly what Paul faced yet, it can be truly said that we have lost heart and live in constant reactionary fear, constantly shrinking away from the terrifying unknown that is ahead. Truly something's wrong. Truly, God has not intended His church and Christ's bride to live paralyzed by fear and anxiety. Truly, the one who has filled us with the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead does not expect us to live in such weakness and cowardice. And so Paul gives us the answer here to ease our trembling stomachs, calm our uncontrollable fears, and have peace in our sleepless nights. Look back at Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 16. He says, "Therefore we do not lose heart. We do not shrink away in cowardice. But though our outward person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. In other words, even though our material world, including ourselves, are decaying, we are only growing and maturing in Christ-likeness." Look at verse 17. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. The word momentary just means an immediate affliction or our present affliction, whatever it is you're going through in this moment. The words light affliction literally means weightless or easy to bear. It echoes the words of Christ when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word affliction in the Greek is the word phleipsis, Phleipsis. It means intense crushing or squeezing. This is not a word that means discomfort. This is a word that means to be intensely crushed. You know, I've often described the period following my daughter's passing away as a crushing the life out of me. For every time I tried to take a breath to utter a prayer to God, the boa constrictor of my affliction squeezed tighter and tighter, only making me gasp for air. And so Paul says in verse 17, this momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. In other words, the glory that is to come, the glory that is being produced as a result of our great affliction is so much greater than our present intense crushing that it it turns it into a brief and momentary weightless affliction. Notice that it isn't the absence of affliction that makes the crushing weightless, but it is the comparison of the glory to come that makes it light or weightless. We often, many times in our prayers to God, pray that he would release us from this affliction, deliver us from the affliction or the trials that we're going through. And Paul doesn't say that he was released from this affliction. In fact, he lists them out. We've been scourged. We've been beaten. We've been shipwrecked. We've been hungry. We've been cold. However, we do not lose heart. Again, as Paul said in verse 8, we are afflicted. It's the same Greek word from phlepsis that we get later on in verse 13. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. In other words, he says, we are crushed in every way, but we are not crushed. I love that. We are intensely crushed, yet we are not crushed. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, Philippe cease, or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He goes on in that same chapter in verse 37 to say, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And so what is the remedy to turn our heavy, heavy, seemingly never-ending, crushing affliction into a momentary, weightless affliction? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice that the thing that you feel is the 800-pound gorilla sitting on your chest or the boa constrictor wrapping around you, squeezing the very life of God out of you? What if that thing became weightless? What if that thing in your mind's eye became momentary? Look at verse 18, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The word look is the word skapeo, skapeo, and it means to take aim or to fix your attention. It's also in the present tense. In other words, we do not look constantly and continually at the things which are seen or the temporal. Rather, we look at every moment continually fixed on the things that are eternal. I don't know about you, but in my life, if I look away for a moment, I lose hope. If I look away for a moment, I begin to lose faith. And so we are to constantly, scapeo, constantly take aim and fix our attention on the things that are eternal. It's no wonder why we feel the great crushing of affliction in our lives, because we are constantly fixed on and taking aim at this present life, which is decaying day by day. There is no comfort in a dying and decaying world, and yet, often as Christians, we seek the things of this world to give us fulfillment, to give us joy, to give us satisfaction. Paul echoes this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. He says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is the upward call? It's the call home. It's our life with him in all eternity. It's the eternal. It's not the temporal. We fix our gaze on him, on the eternal, on the things to come, on the upward call. Understand this one truth and you can be set free forever. Our hope is not in this life. As much as we hear sermons that say God is bringing a breakthrough in your life and your blessing is just around the corner, I want you to know that we were never designed to view this life as our hope. In fact, the only way to have hope in this life is to fix your eyes on things above. And yet, sadly, if you go to any bookstore in the quote-unquote religious section, a majority of what you'll find there is book after book after book giving you hope For this life, teaching you how in this life to overcome, teaching you how in this life to be successful, temporal. There is no hope in this fading world that is temporal, and we were never intended to build our life here. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11 in the New Living Translation says dear friends i warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very souls we are sojourners we are aliens to this world we are temporary residents and foreigners Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 through 21 echoes the same sentiment it says for our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior the lord jesus christ who will transform the body of our humble state into the conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself our citizenship is in heaven And unfortunately, we live in a day and age, especially in the American church, where we're taught to constantly look at the things right in front of us. We're taught constantly uh, messages on how to be successful in this life, how to establish our citizenship in this world, how to deal with the temporary things. And yet Paul says, I leave those things behind. I don't even look at those things. He says, we do not set our affections or we do not fix our gaze or set our aim on the things of the temporal because the temporal world is decaying day by day by day. We set our affections. We set our gaze. We fix our hope on him and him alone because he is eternal. He is immutable. He is faithful. He is incorruptible and unfading. I want to tell you that you shouldn't be surprised by feelings of dissatisfaction or emptiness when you are pursuing earthly satisfaction and pleasures. You know, I used to get great anxiety in my life. You can ask my wife. We could go to the greatest place on planet Earth. We'd go to Disney World or all these other places that people find so much joy and excitement and satisfaction out of. And for me, I would sit there and say, what's the point? I became very nihilistic with no hope. And I wondered, what is wrong with me? The activities, the things that seem to fulfill other people always left me feeling empty and bitter inside until I realized that I was never meant to be satisfied by the temporal, but only by the eternal God whose glory to come far outweighs any present affliction. And so look to him Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, he is your hope. Might I add, the moment I began to fix my eyes on him and fix my eyes on the eternal and not the temporal was the moment that the nihilism left. And I could begin to enjoy the graces of this present life because I no longer look to them to fulfill me, so I could fully enjoy them as God intended for me to enjoy them. My burden is for the people of God, that they stop looking at the circumstance or the affliction that they're dealing with and even stop looking to God to necessarily deliver them out of that temporary circumstance or affliction, but rather they would look to God as the eternal one and say, God, this affliction, this crushing, this anxiety, this fear, this this anguish that we're experiencing on this earth is nothing, is weightless, is empty compared to the glory that is to come. You see, we may not like this answer because it seems intangible to us, but friends, God is faithful that when we look to him, when we seek him first, all these things will be added unto us. All the necessities of life, all the comfort, the joy, the fruit of the spirit that he fills us with are all wrapped up in seeking him first, on fixing our eyes on the things above on taking aim at the eternal and not the temporal and so i would encourage you to be enlightened by this scripture 2 corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 through 18 we do not lose heart but though our outward person is decaying our inner person is being renewed day by day for our momentary Light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, your trial, your circumstance, your affliction, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Look up. For your help comes from him. Drink of the living water and you will never thirst again. Do not be disappointed with the dissatisfaction that you feel when you pursue temporal things, but rather recognize and realize that your heart is chasing after God and stop denying his presence in your life. Stop denying your innermost desire for him to come out. Stop trying to fill yourself with the gluttony of this world in a way to numb the desire for him. But seek him with all that you are.